good morning. Good to see you all. Thank you, Christian. You know, I shared earlier in the first service that uh, COVID has brought blessings and curses. Did you know that? There are a lot of blessings from COVID, and one of those blessings is that people have been able to work from home, and they don't have to go into the office anymore. You know, we were hearing from people all over that said, I don't have to go in my office. I can work right from the house. Same pay, might even get a raise, don't have to deal with all those people in the office. And some of you are going, amen, and praise the Lord. And then on the other end, you know, there is some sadness. Some people leave and left when it comes to the church. But we have been blessed at Trinity. I know some churches are struggling, but God has blessed us. We've gotten people who have came. Uh, we shared a couple of weeks ago about Jay and his wife Libby that came. Jay is a worship leader as well. You know, I've been here 10 years. We've never had more than one worship leader, a music leader. And so we prayed that God would bring people with gifts and talents to come because it's good to have variety. Did you know that? We are blessed here. We have some of the most talented musicians. We have incredible singers. But God brought us people. Some people have different styles. That's what's so wonderful. You know, because you have youth. You know what it does when somebody sings like that? It brings in young people, whether you know it or not, because some people don't like music like that, but like Jerry Falwell said, if you don't like it, just get out of the way, because there are a horde of people who do. And by the way, let me share something with you. I, that song, that last one he sang, How I Loved It, I couldn't stand that song until I heard it sung the right way. And then it really touches your life. And you hear some people make fun of songs like that. They call them 7 the same seven words 11 times. Well, let me help you a little bit. Don't, don't be ignorant and say that. Because when I took Hebrew poetry, that is where this music is based from, whether you know that or not, Hebrew poetry. And do you know one of the greatest themes of learning in Hebrew poetry? You ready? repetition when you sing it and hear it over and over again it begins to drive its way into your soul and these types of songs are based on hebrew poetry and some of them are even sung from the psalms so be very careful before you think ahead but we're blessed to have the talent that comes to us and by the way preachers we had four preachers a few months ago. Did you know that? Uh, we had Ken Davies, who's now moved off to Indiana. He and Carla. So, Ken, if y'all are watching us, uh, we miss you. But pray for Ken because his health is declining, and he asked us to pray for him. Uh, Brian, of course, is going to be preaching in a few weeks, and he'll have a whole month or so to do a series before he goes on vacation. And so you'll get to hear him. I think Christian can preach. We had Monroe who was preaching up until the past few years and he doesn't feel like he can do that. But our church has been blessed with a lot of speakers. So God is doing some great things here at Trinity. So just let me encourage you to say we're seeing his hand at work here. We've been praying that people would get saved. They would trust Christ for eternal life. We would see people get baptized. We, in, we celebrated three last week who trusted Christ as their Savior. And we want to see more. We want to see people and their life change because we know that Jesus changes lives. Did you know that? 
And we've actually revamped our entire purpose, mission, and vision statement at Trinity to make it as simple and as clear as we can. You know what it is? We exist at Trinity Community Church to point people to Jesus. Everything we do, we we want to point to Him. Our Sunday morning worship service, we want to point to Jesus. When we sing, we want to point people to Jesus. Every group that we have, what do we want them to do? We want to point people to Jesus. That may be Jesus calling. If it is, (laughs) make sure you answer. He might have an outline for me. But nevertheless, we exist to point people to Christ. And how do we do that? Through five ways. Five ways. By loving others. By growing, by connecting, by serving, and by reaching. And these are the ways that we point people to Christ. Now, one man said it, and I repeated it a few weeks ago. If I'm not pointing people to Jesus in my life, guess what? As a Christian, I am wasting my life. I think this statement is so clear that I can say this with full authority. As a Christian... If you are not pointing people to Jesus, you need to rethink your Christian priority because that is why we're here. We change no one's life. My preaching changes no one's life. It's only God's Word. Did you know that? I can't talk anybody into anything that somebody else can't talk them out of. It's not about logic or reasoning. It's about God's Spirit taking the truth and pointing people to the only one who has the answer, and that's Jesus. Now, I'm going to violate all hermeneutic, homiletical, and every other category today because I'm going to give you two sermons in less time than it takes me to preach one. And you say, yeah, I bet. I'm going to talk about two issues. And you never do this publicly, by the way. You only talk about one because the human mind can only handle what? One thing. But you can handle two because you go to Trinity. And I'm going to talk this morning about connecting and serving, because next week we're getting into a new series. And if you haven't uh, been keeping up with us on Faith Life, I put the new series out. I put the book out for you that you can go ahead and pre-order. It's from Erwin Lutzer's book, uh, We Will Not Be Silenced. Because we are being flooded by things in culture that we don't know what to do. We're paralyzed. What do we do with all this? And that's the purpose of this series. What has happened to us And what should the church do? But I want to come back and talk about Trinity and our existence to connect and serve. And this morning, as we think about connecting with one another, I want to give you a few reasons why you should be connected. Now, what do we mean by connection? You know, sometimes people just come to church and they feel like, well, we'll find a church, first of all, that has good music because we want to go and hear music we like. And second of all, we'll go and, you know, if the preacher can keep me awake for less than 40 minutes, then and we'll do that. And so we can hear good music and we can hear good preaching and I'll go home and that'll be my life and my church life will be come back the next week. If that is our concept of church, we should rethink biblically what it means to be connected. Because when you look at the picture of believers with one another in the New Testament, you get a totally different concept of connecting. For example, Scripture talks about us as being a building. In Ephesians chapter 2, 
uh, verse 22. I'll let you read it in just a moment. Well, let me go ahead and show it. In Him you also are being built together into a dwelling place or a temple, a building for God by the Spirit. Now, what does that mean? That means that every time you are saved, you, you trust Christ as your Savior one time, you become part of His building. And if you'll look to your left or right, you'll see bricks on the bottom half of the wall. And Paul actually goes on in Ephesians to say that you're like a building stone. Peter uses the same analogy, built one on top of the other. So as a Christian, you're just like these blocks on the wall. Now, can you all imagine what good is a brick if you take one brick and carry it out there in the middle of the parking lot and just set it? What, what good is it? It does you absolutely no good. Maybe it'll be a paperweight. But a brick is made to be held together with cement and other bricks, and they rest on top of a wall. Now let me ask another question. What are the most important bricks on the wall or blocks? They are the ones you can't see. If you ask any builder, there's a foundation under this wall that supports and holds this wall up. And so there are some that, guess what, are buried in cement and they are buried in dirt and you can't see them but i want to assure you of something they are very important believers in the body of christ and in the church are just like that do you know there are some believers who are never seen people who keep nursery people who make coffee on sunday mornings people who clean the dishes people who make breakfast and food people who count the money people who help write the checks to keep our lights on People who are involved in the upkeep and the maintenance of the building. People who put together newsletters and bulletins. We don't see these people. We only see the people who sing and the people who preach. And the only time you notice the sound is when something messes up. But I want to assure you there are a lot of people in technology that spend hours and hours and hours behind the scenes and nobody sees them. But I want to assure you something. They are very, very important. We are a building. We are to be connected to one another. So if our Christian life just consists of individualization, singing and preaching and this, and we're not involved in the building process, then we need to rethink our Christian life. If you're not convinced by that, I have a second metaphor, and that is we're part of a body. I shared this morning that I got on Marketplace this week to help my father-in-law look for something. And when I did, someone had taken a picture of three severed fingers. They were cut off. You can see the blood down on the fingers, you know. And I was like, great, Dave, what is this? Why am I being marketed with that? It was fake. They were made to pull a prank on somebody and take and lay down somewhere and then go, oh, oh, you know. And there's their fingers. That's not funny, though, is it? As I began to see that, I started thinking the most, the most alarming thing are members of our body that are taken off. Uh, I was a part of, many of you know this, the Christiansburg Police Department years ago, and I will never forget being a part of an investigation where there was a dismemberment. I'll leave it right there, okay? But some of those images, you cannot get out of your mind. They totally do something to you. You close your eyes and you see them. But my point is, there is nothing that is more not normal, abnormal, than disconnected members and limbs of a body. 
Because do you know what happens when you cut a member of the body off and you leave it alone? What happens to it? It decays. Uh, I know a man that chopped his finger off one time. He had to put it on ice until he got to the emergency room and they sewed it back on. But somebody had to rescue it. As Christians, do you know what God tells us? We are members of the body. Now, if, if the Lord tells us that, let me read it. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually, what does the text say? We are members one of another. You, do you know what that means? That means we're part of the body, and some of you are my arm, my hands here at Trinity. Some of you are, are my feet, and I'm your mouth. That's scary, isn't it? No, but my responsibility is to help you in your Christian life and to think about what God wants you to do with your heart and to help connect each other. And so when you think about this, we belong to one another. No, no one Christian is an island. They're not off to themselves. We, we need each other. Are you listening to me? We need each other. My children need you. My wife needs you. I need you. And guess what? You need other people. And somehow and in some way, we have to find ways to connect. We have to find ways to get to know each other and know what our needs are, our weaknesses, so that like God's Word says, we can send a word in the right time. We can help when one is down, the other is there to pick them up. We need each other. And so we are part of a body, and that's why we are to be connected. If you're a dismembered finger this morning, and you have no connection to Trinity other than just hearing preaching, you know what's going to happen to your body? That member is going to fade away. Don't let that happen. We don't want that to happen. Well, if that didn't convince you, I have another one. And that is, we're a family. Now, we live in a dysfunctional society, and you all know this very well. The nuclear family, which I'll be talking about some in the next few weeks, has been completely under attack by the left way back in the 1900s. Did you know this? There was an assault to tear apart the nuclear family, man and a woman, and to break it apart and to cause divorce and other things so that people would grow up in single-parent homes and so forth so that the family would be disintegrated. And I'll share more about that. But let me just say this. God says that when we as believers are saved, we are part of a family. As a matter of fact, we're part of a household. Listen to what Paul tells Timothy. If I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God. That is, the family of God. We, we need to know that. And the family of God is the church of the living God, a pillar and a buttress of the truth. What are families supposed to do? Now, I know life's hectic and crazy, but we are supposed to be together. We're supposed to eat together. We're supposed to pray together, to challenge each other. We're supposed to live life together and worship together. And as a family, what are we to do? Go impact other people's family. And so there's this nice, healthy 
family relationship where it's not just my family. It's not just the Altizer tribe. Why does God want the Altizer tribe to be together and be healthy so that we can go out and help others? And the same thing is true in your life. God wants you to help other people. And so that's why we get our family to a point of health so that we can bless other people, not hoard it to ourselves. We exist to point people to Jesus and that by being part of the family. You are our family. Do you understand that? You say, well, I'm lonely today. I'm divorced or somebody's died in my family. We understand that and we're here for you. And we tell people this all the time. If you go through a Thanksgiving and you eat dinner alone, you have never heard this pastor say, don't you dare do that. We have an open invitation to our home. Don't you dare spend Thanksgiving alone. And by the way, the same thing's true for Christmas. You say, well, won't that interfere with your family? Not at all. Not at all. We would love to have you. And you know what my heart would be? My heart would be that other people in our church feel the exact same way. Because let me assure you something. One day, you're going to say goodbye to family, aren't you? And if they don't know Jesus as Savior... We'll never see them again. But we hope and pray that while we're on this life, we'll make an impact and other people will come into the family of God. Are y'all with me? We need to be connected. There's a fourth reason, in case the first three did not persuade you that we are to be connected, and that is we are branches one of another. I preached a whole sermon. I'm just going to read this. Abide in me, Jesus said, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do absolutely nothing. So the bottom line is what? If we as a branch want to produce fruit in our life, we have to be connected to Jesus. And that implies other believers okay so the importance of connection now let me say this quickly you're sitting there asking yourself why how can i get connected okay well good i'm glad you asked that here are a few ways number one meet people in person some of you are sitting here right now and you're looking around going who's that who's that person over there i've never seen them before do you know what all of us came here this morning for one reason that is to hear from god's word to be encouraged and given hope and to know what we have in Jesus Christ and to leave with our life challenged. Every person who came, hopefully, came for that reason. We all have one thing in common, folks. We came this morning to worship our great God through the person of Jesus Christ and what He did for us on the cross. We have one great thing in common. Did you know that? So when you look around, and anybody here, unless they're kids and they just got drugged here by their parents, that's why we're here. And so when you look around and go, who is that? Instead of saying, who is that? Why don't you say, Lord, give me enough confidence to go over and introduce myself to them. Because what you'll discover is that all these new faces that have come here have only been here for just a few weeks or months. And do you know one of the most blessed things for people who come and visit a church is for somebody else to walk over to them and go, hi, I'm John. I've only been going to Trinity for a couple of months or weeks or only a year, and I don't know you, but I'd like to get to know you. Welcome. And the person might say, well, wow, this 
this person actually spoke to me. And then they may tell you some things about themselves. You might be shocked. Now this morning when we weren't online, I pointed out three or four people and introduced them. I won't do that to you this morning, but I could. We have some very interesting people here, and they're wonderful to get to know. I hope you get to know them. Second of all, message people through our online directory. I'm going to talk about that in just a moment. Third, join or start an in-person or online group. We had somebody approach us a few weeks ago and say, I'm a chronic sufferer, I have pain, I would like to start a new ministry called Cornerstone of Hope. And my sole reason is to post daily devotionals online so that people who suffer chronically can read these devotionals. We can pray for each other. Well, they did. Super devotionals. Unbelievable. The stuff that's being posted online. Some people do or don't know about it, but the bottom line is you can join something like that and be fed every day. You have somebody who can pray for you. There's other groups. Some meet in homes uh, during the week. Do you know that we need some of them for people to start? We need groups in our church to be started in your home. Did you hear me? Your home. You say, well, I can't do anything like that. Well, sure you can. You can open your home and somebody else can come in and pray and somebody else can come in and read the Scripture and somebody else can come in and lead a discussion and guess what? Next thing you know, you've got a group in your home and you'll get to know each other. You'll be praying for each other. You'll love each other. Because that's what God wants us to do. You can begin serving and welcoming other people. Andrew Croom has been standing at the door since the last month or so. We shared a need about having new people coming in and, you know, whatever. So here's Andrew, steps up. Deacon ministry, serving the people. Steps up and I'll do the deacon work. Back to the door, watching for new people, handing bulletins, showing people where to sit. Helping them out, answering questions, getting to know them. By the way, that's deacon ministry. Did you know that? So don't tell me we don't have deacons at Trinity. We do. We've got them all over the place and you don't know about them. Some of them are out in the parking lot right now making sure we can worship safely, doing servant work. Some are in homes. Some are doing this. Some are calling people. I mean, we've got people serving everywhere. But the great thing is, is people don't have to have titles. They just want to be a servant. Do you know how many opportunities we have to serve here at Trinity? I've just shared some. Let me share one more. The loneliest time, they say, when somebody comes into church is when they walk in the door and sit down because nobody they know is around them. You know, it's like this is an island. That's when they feel the loneliest. If you want to be connected, find somebody that you don't know and go over and sit down and talk to them. Get to know them. Share your life with them you'll be surprised what God will do. So this is so important. And then we're going to have a welcome wagon. This is new faces that have been here in the last year, year and a half. Due to corona, we might even go back to two years. We're going to invite all of you to a lunch one Sunday afternoon. Make sure you accept the invitation. And you're going to see a whole pile of people in there, and you're going to go, all these people are new within the last year. My gracious, the whole fellowship hall's full. And we're going to say yes. So don't feel like you're stepping on anybody's toes when you start a new ministry at Trinity. By the grace of God, run with it. Grab it and run. And bless other people. This is what we want to do. We want to empower you and enable you to serve Jesus by helping people connect. Now, 
Sean, if you don't mind, transfer me over to faith life. I want to talk this morning about faith life. Just quick, uh, I won't go through great details, but we have shared previously about the importance of being together in our online forum. Now, what you have to do, and you can do this, by the way, not just from a phone. Everybody has a computer. And so what you notice is we have 112 people who have signed on as our Faith Life family. What you do is you go to faithlife.com. We've talked about this. You create an account by putting your email and a password. Then you can go and you can search for Trinity Community Church. Look for our logo here, the, the two folded hands and the cross. You select on Trinity Community Church and you want to be invited. You want to join. So you go join that. Now hear me carefully. This is not Facebook. Your information doesn't go out to everybody. When you like Trinity Community Church, Brian or I or another admin will find your name and make sure we know you, we'll vet you, make sure that you're legit. And then we allow you to come in. We have total control over who's in and who's out. So we, we moderate and control this group. Your information is safe there. Hundreds of thousands of churches, you know, use this information, people within these churches. There are piles of people. But when you get in faith life, hear me, folks, this is why we're taking the time to do this. This is your hub for communication here. We send 10, 15 messages a week letting you know sermons that are coming up. Sometimes we'll send devotionals. We have Bible reading plans on there. If you struggle with your daily devotions, you can stay connected. Right now there's a series on suffering. It, it automatically pulls up the passage of the day and you read it. But let me just walk through a couple of things. I mean, after you get on and we approve you, this week, three days ago, we told you Christian was going to be singing this morning. Welcome him. And in case you didn't know these songs, we put links to YouTube on there. And so you could go click on that link and you could watch the video. Uh, people commented down below it. Brian says, I'm going fishing today. We're going fishing. We're going to meet at 4 o'clock. You can, you can sign up and let us know if you're going to go. And when you sign up for the group, you get direct uh, communication. Y'all like to fish? Guys, you like to fish? Uh, well, they're going at 4 o'clock today. If you didn't RSVP already, you have to buy lunch. But anyway, no, I don't think he'll make you do that. Maybe you have to catch lunch. Later, earlier in the week, uh, I did the whole thing on the new sermon series. Somebody came under and asked, where do we get the book? So I posted the book on christianbook.com where you could go straight and buy it from there. Did a promo on a new sermon series. You can read about all the things about what we'll be talking about. What is Marxism? What is cultural Marxism? How has it affected the church? What is the church supposed to do? You know, what is the, the plan? This is what we're talking about. I listed two books that uh, you, sh you can read if you want to find out more. Uh, David Harowitz's book and Erwin Lutzer's book. There will be more resources. People in our congregation have sent me things. I'll be listing it on here. This is connection, by the way. So important. Uh, we talk about Worship Center. We have a newsletter. Do you all read our newsletter? So we purposely on Wednesdays, on Wednesdays by right after lunch, uh, we post a newsletter that has every event in it, okay? So we talk about a 
week ahead, we write a little uh, markup, mission spotlight, all the upcoming events. You all look at everything that's going on in our church. You can click on any one of them and go straight to the link. Do you all like to exercise and run? We have a new group called Trinity Trotters. You don't even have to run. You can walk if you want to. Ladies in our church meet on Tuesday night different places. Brittany Gibbs did that. All the adult connect groups. Men's monthly fellowship. Y'all know our men are meeting and eating breakfast. And ladies are going to do that when we're having the Lord's Supper. Other opportunities. You can give online by taking your phone or just clicking this little arrow. You don't have to write checks and do all this. It's Everything is right here. And you say, oh my gracious, we send verses of the day. Am I boring you all to death? Okay, well, I'm just saying we, we have 112 people on. Now, let me share something with you. We also have some inside information. Well, sometimes we hear people say, well, we didn't know that was happening. We didn't know. The only way you're going to know is if you look and read. But as admins, we can see how many people open up their newsletter. Y'all ready for this? We spend hours every week putting together newsletters and bulletins. And this past Wednesday, I sent out 189 newsletters. 41% were opened. Y'all ready? Now, let me ask you something as a parent. Y'all ready for this? If you told your children, and I'm not saying y'all are my children, but you are sheep. If you told your children to please see this and do that, and they only listen to you 40% of the time, how would you feel? We say, well, I can't do it 100. We don't expect 100, okay? And I know you think I'm fussing at you, but what I'm trying to say is, if you're not reading and you don't know what's going on, it's impossible to be fully connected. You say, well, you don't know how much I have to read. Yeah, I do. We do as well. We get inundated as well, but we're only asking for 10 minutes. Now, one other thing that I really need to show you, and that's this. Let's say you're looking around going, well, Trinity doesn't have an online di- or a paper directory. No, we don't, and we never will again. A, a directory was used to, you could open it up and see people's pictures and what have you. We have something better than a paper directory. That's an online directory. That's what faith life is. Now, Everybody can't see your picture. Just people in our church who have been approved to get into our site. This is not out for hackers and everybody else. This is what you can do. You can look around and go, who was that, who was that family that got baptized last week? I don't know who that is. I'd just like to, I'd like to message them and tell that lady, Karina, that I'm praying for her son, Chandler. Because he was baptized last week. I've been praying for him. I have no clue who Karina is. So I'm going to start looking through here. Karina, I hope you have a picture on there. Do you have a picture? Nope, you don't have a picture. All right, here you go. I I embarrassed too this morning. I'm not embarrassing Karina, but I'm just saying, here you go. Look at that beautiful picture. (laughs) Look at her hair. and, and that. So this is the reason why it's so important to put a profile picture on. Okay, so this is how hard it is. You go right there to that camera and you click it. And if you've got your smartphone in your hand, you can go and, and push the button. It'll put it on there for you. If not, you can click it and go to your photos and, you, and it'll let you crop the best picture you want to crop of yourself. You know, all those glamour shots. That's, those are the ones everybody puts on Facebook. You can put it on there. So, and, and people's information, you can see whatever you allow them to see. 
Now, one other thing, and we talked about this last week. Some people say, well, I had no clue that that went on, that happened. I didn't. This is why. When you create this, you have to go to notification preferences. Are y'all watching? Very simple. And when you go to notification preferences, you come down. Anytime I'm mentioned in a group, I want to know about it. Somebody mentions, okay, I want to know. And you go down and say, anytime there is a notification through an email or a push message, I want to know. And you go over and click yes. And this is just like an instant message. Anytime a new message is sent out in Trinity, boom, the instant right on your phone. Boom, that quick. And this is how you stay connected. Now, we try not to aggravate you. We try not to bombard you with ridiculousness. We try to only send the important stuff. But this is how we connect with each other. It's, it's the greatest platform that we could find to help us. So let me encourage you as we look down through the group members here once again to go down and fill out your profile picture, okay? Aaron, beautiful picture. Uh, a day, beautiful. Now, and I'm not going to say anything else because I'm going to have to apologize to everybody this morning, but... Nevertheless, take a few moments and put your profile picture on there because we want to see your face. We want to get to know you, okay? That is connection. This is one way we stay connected in this crazy world, isn't it? And of all people that we need to be connected with, it's our church family. Did you know that? I mean, if I'm having a hard, rough week, nothing is better than to send out something and say, please pray for me. I am struggling I am struggling with this. And you know what happens? People start praying, and the power of God moves in on your life, and it'll change you. Now, I'm going to tell you something. There's a, lot of, a lot of Christians have never experienced that because they don't ever tell anybody what they're struggling with. They want to make people think that they got it all together. Everything's fine. Can I say something to you this morning? I say this often. There's not a person in here that's got it all together. Every one of us have shattered, broken lives. We're weak. We're frail. We're sinners. We need God's grace. We need help. We need each other. Why do you think God called us a building, a body, a family, a vine? Why? Because we are dependent upon each other. Now, have I pounded on that one enough? That is so important. So, get connected in faith life. The second thing, and I'll do it quick, is be a servant. I want to read this passage to you in Luke chapter 22. So if you'll turn there real fast, Luke 22, verse 24. This is what the text says. Then, and there arose also a dispute among them. Who was them? It is the twelve disciples who were in the upper room the night before Jesus was betrayed. They were all gathered around, and there arose a dispute among them as to which one of them was regarded to be the greatest. Now, can't you all hear, Christians? Who is the greatest? How many of y'all have multiple children? Oh, okay, I won't embarrass. Yeah, several of us do. You ever like to hear who's going to be first? Or maybe you're a teacher today, and you're lining everybody up for recess, and who goes first? You ever watch? Who goes first? And fight and fight. They were fussing over who would be the greatest. Jesus said something to them. He said, The kings of the Gentiles 
lord it over them. And those who have authority over them are called the big boss man. That's what benefactor means, the big boss. Everybody's striving to be the big boss. You all work at secular jobs, don't you? You know what it's like when you have somebody that likes to let you know they're the big boss? You know, I can say this now. When I, when I worked at the police department, I want you all to know that I lived this. We got put on shifts with four sergeants who had been there for years and years. And back in that time, the sergeant was the dictator of the road. And if you got on a bad sergeant shift, it was terrible because they decided whether you got off Christmas, what your days off were. It never went up the chain. It went right straight to the sergeant. So if the sergeant didn't like you, you were going to be working midnight. You weren't going to get comp time when you wanted it. And you would work every holiday because you were totally at his discretion. Now, if you've never worked for somebody like that, and they give other people time when you don't get it, and they give other people holidays off when you ask for it first, uh, there was no such thing as equality. It's more like the military. You do what you're told. No whining. And they like to be called the boss. Let me tell you what that does inside the human heart. Y'all know what that does? When somebody likes to let you know they're the boss. Oh, the flesh has never been stirred up worse than when somebody treats you like a lesser nothing. And they take something away from you and give it to somebody else when you ask for it first. You know what that does in the Christian life? Oh, that makes us so angry. And Christians are not exempt, by the way. We are not exempt we like our due and we want our right. I want to tell you what Jesus said this morning because He took a hammer and He shattered, boom, this big old glass edifice that we put up about what we think brings glory to God. Listen to what He said. You're arguing about who's going to be the greatest and who's going to get their way and the one who gets their way is the best. Not so among you. Not so, but let him who is the greatest among you become, and let me read this into it, and continually the rest of your Christian life keep on becoming as the youngest. And the leader become as the servant. And the idea of a servant here is the one who serves. Not so among you. The, the greatest will become like the youngest and the leader like the servant. For who is greater? The one who reclines at the table or the one who serves? If you go out to eat this afternoon and your, your waitress comes, who's the greater there? I mean, hopefully you are, right? Because you're getting served. You're paying them. You shouldn't be nice to them or give them a good tip. Yes, you should. Don't be tight on Sundays when you go to restaurants. It's a horrible testimony for Christians, by the way. It is, is it not the one who reclines at the table who's the greatest? Listen to what Jesus said. But I am among you as the one who serves. 
And you are those who have stood by me in my trials. And just as my Father has granted me a kingdom, I grant to you that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. And you will sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. What are some lessons that we learn from this really quick? First of all, a true servant of Jesus is not concerned with authority over others or titles. They don't care. You all grasp that? A true servant of Jesus doesn't care about being called the boss, the big man, or being served. They just care about serving. The second point, a true servant of Jesus would rather serve than be served. By the way, do you know where this took place? I told you it was in the upper room. The night before Jesus was betrayed, they were laying around the table getting ready to eat, and not a one of them had went over to the door and took anybody's coat and hung it up on the coat rack. That would be equivalent to what we do today. They used to wash each other's feet like we would take our coat off and hang it up on a rack. And they were sitting there arguing over who was going to be the greatest. And by the way, if you read, two of them went and got their mommy to go tell Jesus and say, Lord, can I ask you a question? And he goes, go ahead. And she said, well, would you grant my son one to sit on the right and one on the left? Y'all go read the other accounts in Matthew 20. And the ten disciples were sitting there and went, good night, got his mama to go ask Jesus? I mean, and boy, they got hot. I'm the one that's done this. I'm the one, I'm the one that did. And they want to... And Jesus said, everybody wants to be great, huh? Well, let me tell you how you're great. Let me tell you how you're great in God's economy you're great in god's economy not when you're served but when you serve the title of my message was going to be the great reversal and here's here it is and i I shared this earlier a lot of christians live their life we like to become wealthy we like to become comfortable and we like everything to be served to us i've got news for you if you let that thought permeate your Christian life and you're only to be served, when you enter eternity as a born-again child of God, your whole role will reverse. And you will not be served in the coming kingdom. You will be the servant. So Jesus is teaching us now that the greatest in the future kingdom is the one who bows on their knee and serves. Let me share something with you. If Christians grasp this, we would never lack for a nursery, children's workers, middle school workers, high school workers, adult group leaders, people to wash people's clothes from the baptistry, people to help them with towels, people to stand at the door and welcome people, people to come and take people out to dinner and try to get to know them, people to pray for other people. We'd never lack that. Because greatness in the next life is dependent upon service in this one. The third thing, wrong button. A true servant of Jesus understands the principle of faithfulness before reward. You see, the problem with the disciples was they thought, they thought that the kingdom came before the crown, or the cross, I'm sorry. They thought the crown came before the cross. They had it backwards. The cross came before the crown. 
The same thing's true in our life, folks. Servanthood in this life determines future reign in the next. So if you don't hear anything this pastor ever tells you in your Christian life, hear this. You want to be great? Bow the knee and serve. A famous preacher named F.B. Meyer wrote these powerful, powerful words. Meyer says, I, I once used to think that God's gifts were on shelves one above another. And that the taller we grew as Christians in our character, in our Bible knowledge, in all of the things that we learn about God, the taller we grew, that the easier it would be for us to reach and attain them. However, I now find that God's gifts are on the shelves beneath. One beneath the other beneath the other. It is not a question of growing taller and taller, but of stooping lower and lower, that we have to continue to go down, down, down to get His best gifts. And I'm going to share something with you that transformed my life. It's the story of a trash bag. I traveled to the Middle East with a professor who was in his 70s. Had terrible health. Struggled to breathe. Had sugar. He would get out of the bed every morning at 5 o'clock because he couldn't breathe. And he would get up and go try to walk. And his back was killing him. We were in a compound that had walls around it and mosques on either side. And he got out and he would try to walk around the track. Well, in the Middle East, what people would do, much like America, they'd eat something out of a candy bar wrapper and they'd sling it on the ground because they paid people to come by and pick up the garbage. Trash cans all over the place, but they just sling it on the ground. Christians, by the way, throw their garbage on the ground. This man's walking around the track. I get up on my balcony because I'm a light sleeper. He's a light sleeper. He snored like a mule that night, by the way. I got up and watched him walk out. Walks out and he starts walking and I heard something rattle. The next thing you know, I'm looking over my fourth floor balcony and this man's got a garbage bag. And he blows that garbage bag up and he's bending over, picking up all that trash. Old man, stuffing this bag full. I'm sitting up on my balcony looking, going, oh my gracious, he's started picking up the garbage, you know. Other professors who had gotten up were out there watching him. He didn't know anybody had seen him. It was early. Students had gotten up. Some of them actually went out there and said, Dr. Clay, Dr. Clay, put the trash bag down. You are way too high to pick up garbage. You do not pick up the trash. This is not your trash. Pick up the... He pulls the garbage bag back and he says... Help me. Y'all, y'all, all y'all, help me. Pick this trash up. We'll pick this up and make this place look good. You know what happened? A few of them bent down and started picking up trash. But some of the rest turned around, went back to their room. As I observed that, here's what I thought. As Christians, we have one of two options in life. 
We either bow the knee and serve now and wait for greatness later, or we get our greatness now and we bow the knee later. Guess what? The choice is mine. It's yours. Be a servant. Father, thank You this morning for Your Word, for the challenge. Help us, O God, to connect with one another, to serve one another, to love one another as You want us to. Bless our church, Lord. Change our heart and our life. We'll thank You and give You praise. In Jesus' name, Amen.